Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. It's calling, wake up, child. It's your turn to shine. You were born for such a time as this. Such a time as this. And you have verses kicking and screaming, running the other direction, and that's the difference. That's what many people think. I've got to change myself. You can't change yourself. You submit. You surrender to the work of God in your heart and allow Him to change you, Him to grow you, Him to make you holy. Now, there is, a, I believe, a partnership there. Uh, what's the old saying? That you, you work as if it's all up to you. And you pray as if it's all up to God? You know, there, there has to be a cooperation on our part. I've never seen anybody become spiritual by doing nothing. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today's message on regaining lost ground is titled, Half Right, Almost Saved, and is the sixth message in the sermon series called, Theology on Fire. Late evangelical author and teacher A.W. Pink once spoke on the carnality of today's Christians, saying, The nature of Christ's salvation is woefully misrepresented by the present-day evangelist. He announces a Savior from hell rather than a Savior from sin. And that is why so many are fatally deceived. For there are multitudes who wish to escape the lake of fire who have no desire to be delivered from their carnality and worldliness. Please join us today as Pastor Shane continues in this very important message on the need for all to turn from sin, repent, and live for Jesus. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman. Let me tell you about my day yesterday. I spent most of it reconstructing the whole sermon. Uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't flowing uh, because on Easter, Resurrection Day, right, for those who don't like the word Easter, uh, you, you, you want to talk about often pulpits around America, even in Europe and different places are talking about the resurrection story and, and the empty tomb and leading up to that. And I just felt like taking a little bit different course this morning. Obviously, I'm going to tie in that. But where we're at in this church is we're in a series called a Theology on Fire. What we're doing is we're talking about theology, right? The study of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, this week, I was actually going to be, if it wasn't for today, talking about this area of salvation. They call it soteriology, the study of salvation. And in that, you have big words like propitiation, uh, substitutionary atonement, and oh, Shane, what does that mean? Well, those all hit today 
So I, I, I thought of why not bringing in where we're at in the series on theology and showing you how it applies to the resurrection. Because we, we, we come to worship, we come to remember the empty tomb, but sometimes we forget about the important doctrines that allow us to appreciate what happened at that empty tomb. So don't worry, it's not going to be a boring seminary class. I'm going to try to bring some of this into the message. The title of the message is Half Right. Half right, almost saved. Well, you see where I'm going with this, right? But let's, let's, I'm going to read from Matthew just to see why we are here this morning. Matthew 28. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, that is Sunday. That's why we worship on Sunday. That's why we have no problem coming to church on Sunday. There's not a month that goes by that I don't get an email from somebody who rebukes me for worshiping on Sunday. As if that's a bad thing. You guys don't keep the Sabbath. You have to worship God on Saturday only. Right? Sunday's for Cinemark and NASCAR. But don't don't worship. Don't worship God on Sunday. Now, but that's where we get it from. The Bible talks about putting a, a, a day aside for the Lord. And so after the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, which was a Sunday, as the day began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. Now, I had a a quick little message this morning at the sunrise service, but I thought a few points that stood out would really be uh, important for you this morning. One thing we see from reading this is he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That's a constant reminder that we need to look to the sovereignty of God, not to the news. To gauge our mental stability. We look at who God is, not what North Korea is doing or Russia is doing or China is doing. Because God holds those nations in the palm of his hand. So we're actually commanded not to be afraid. We don't have a spirit of fear, but of peace and of sound mind. And also he said, come and see, come quickly, see that Christ is not here. He's risen and go and see him in Galilee. But it reminded me as well that God has that offer to us as well. Come and taste that the, and see that the Lord is good. Seek me with all of your heart. You will find me. Maybe that's a message here for some of you this morning. That you can't seek God with a part of your heart. That's like saying, Shane, are you married? Well, sometimes. Sometimes. On weekdays. On weekends, I'm free. Right? On week, but it doesn't work that way. Almost, almost saved, half right. Same thing applies to our relationship with God. Now, here's the doctrines I want to explain. I'm going to break them down for you. Um, when we talk about the empty tomb, when we talk about the cross, you ask most people on the street, they'll, they'll, well, who is Jesus? Well, some guy that died for me, right? I think. 
you know, and, and they don't understand the truths behind what they're saying. And that's what I wanted to share with you briefly. The first doctrine is propitiation. It's a big word. And they're going to put a verse up there, propitiation. That basically means that the wrath of God was satisfied on the cross. I don't know why they just don't say that, but they, it's a, it's this big word that justice, you see, justice has to fall on someone to be justice. Does it not? Can you imagine our, our judicial system without justice? We wouldn't have anything. Because when justice is required, justice has to fall on someone. That's why Jesus absorbed the wrath of God on the cross. It had to fall on someone. The penalty of sin had to go somewhere in order for justice to be true. So that's what propitiation is. 1 John 2, 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for those in the whole world, but also for those of the whole world. And Romans 3 reminds us that all men are sinners, the penalty is death. Now, this isn't a popular sermon topic, right? But it has to be told. We have to speak the truth in love. And this is a good reminder, since it's in the news a lot, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Are you ready? We don't have a gun problem. We have a sin problem. We don't have nothing. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. Don't misunderstand, right? We've got it, you know, there's, there's, there's things we need to do to make people safer. I got it. But that's not the problem. The first person that was ever killed was killed with a rock. So let's go through Quartz Hill and get rid of all the big boulders. All the rock. I mean, you can't, you can't, you, you, and my, here's my concern is we take our focus off of the real reason and add some superficial reason and you never get to the heart of the reason. Man is sinful. Man is depraved. You keep allowing these kids to watch these sick video games where they shoot people and they have sex with a prostitute and they take back the money and they set her on fire and you wonder why this is happening. Shane, kids watch that? Yeah, it's called Grand Theft Auto. Wake up. What they, what they see, they become. You want to curb the violence, bring the word of God back into schools. Bring the word of God back into all areas of life and you will quench the violence. See, it's, it's the deceitfulness of man's heart that is the problem. We always want to remove, well, if we just take away this and take away this, that would fix it. Then we can live in utopia. No, that's not the case. The Bible says it's clear that the wages of sin is death. All men are sinners. The penalty is death. But And I hear people saying, Shane, no, no, no. Not today. I just want to hear about Easter bunnies and lilies. Lilies. Why aren't there lilies on the stage? I want to hear about chocolate. That's what I want to hear about on Easter. But that's the truth is that we are under the judgment of God. That's the whole point of the cross. That's why the tomb is empty. So how can we avoid these, these, these controversial topics? See, we live in a society that loves Coors Light, so we want the cross light. We want, but think about this. We have, this is not, I'm not trying to be funny this morning. This is a serious day. But we always hear, oh, you're just narrow-minded. That's so narrow. So we embrace the broad road that leads to destruction. We've been conditioned in our culture by the world. And it begins to shape the way we view God. 
So as hard as this might be for, to hear for some people, it's actually what you need to hear. That's why I've said for many years, every time I preach, I often say, if you don't like what I'm saying, it's because you need to hear what I'm saying. And that's true. If you don't like what God's Word says, that means you need to hear it. God's speaking to you through His Word. And the whole point of propitiation, why did I bring this up? Well, here's why I brought it up. Most believe that works satisfy God's justice. If you take a survey, you go down to Venice Beach, you go to the East Coast, how do you know you're going to see God? What's the majority of people say? Because I'm a good person. Well, well, they're half right, almost saved, right? Because works do save us. Before you get out and leave, let me get up and leave. Let me clarify. Jesus's finished work on the cross is what saves us. So you, you can, you're ha- you can be half right, but it's not your works. It's what, it's what Christ did on the cross. So that's that big term, propitiation. It means that Jesus absorbed the wrath of God on that cross by paying that price. And then we have another big word. It's actually two words, substitutionary atonement. I'm, I'm hoping you can put those words together and, and know what it means. Substitutionary atonement, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Isn't that, This is just amazing. The more I studied this this week, it just... It's, it's, it's these deep truths that often just bring you to your knees. So God made him, Christ, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is interesting. A perfect sacrifice satisfied a perfect God. Innocent blood was shed for the guilty, and the sinless life was exchanged for the life of a sinner. That's substitutionary atonement. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I get a little bit excited when I think that should have been, the wrath should have fallen on me. Jesus says, hold on, get out of the way. Let me absorb the wrath of God. All the sin from the fall to all the sin that is coming, everything Jesus at that one point in history on the cross when he was crying out, Father, Father, do not forsake me. Where are you? You've forsaken, you've forsaken me. Because at that point in history, the sin of humanity had to fall on that substitutionary atonement. He took the price. And I looked all over the internet and I could not find a better example than what I've said many times before. And many of you haven't heard this, so I think it's okay, but, and some of you will remember it's that story of the man who took, I even heard D. James Kennedy, if you, many of you might remember him, 20, 25 years ago talking about this. I'm, obviously, it's a story. I don't think it's true. But it's a man who brought his son to work with him. And his job was lowering this big bridge in order for the train to pass. And, it, and as he was going to work, he went into the, the area there. He was working. He, was, he could see the, the train is coming. It's way down the, 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 the tracks there. And as it's getting closer, he's like, okay, son, it's getting close. Let me show you how to operate this so that one day maybe you can do this. And he's, he's looking around, and he, his 10-year-old son, he couldn't find him anywhere. Next thing he knows, he looks down, and he sees him playing in the gearbox of this massive drawbridge. So we had, uh, he had to choose. 
Either he goes down and grabs his son and hundreds of people perish in the train. Or else he allows that bridge to come down, crush and kill his son in order for those to be saved. And as he made that decision, pulled that lever and saw the train go by and the people were waving at the man and thanking him, not even knowing what he just gave up. And that's exactly what substitutionary atonement is. Let that sink in for a minute. That that's why we're here. That's why we worship. And then also another part of theology in this area of salvation is redemption. This is one I don't quite understand. Colossians 1.13, For He has rescued me from the dominion of darkness. He has re- rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He has rescued you as a believer from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His Son that He loves. Redemption is to regain something that was lost. Correct? It's to go in and regain. I'm coming and I'm taking back what I lost. This is beautiful because in this area of theology, God is actually rescuing people out of the dominion of darkness. When a person doesn't know Jesus and they're living in sin, they are actually enslaved to that sin. They're living in darkness. Their eyes are blinded. But when they repent and believe, Christ comes and He removes them from that darkness, from that dominion. Satan used to have his grip, right? He used to have his grip, and then he takes them away. Jesus comes and takes them back. He regains that. He redeems that. He pays the price, and He redeems that person. And again, on this area, most think that they can rescue themselves. Can they not? When I talk with God, I'll present my side. No, you won't. That's not going to be the time to do that. Well, he'll see my good works. He'll see I'm a good Christian person. My favorite one is I've been a Christian all of my life. Well, what does that mean? It's the one thing, one thing only he will see what Christ did. Half right, almost saved. And this is the point where, where he made, Jesus made a spectacle out of, out of the devil. He came, he, because they thought, the Paul actually talks about, had the demonic realm, had Satan known what he was doing by crucifying the Lord of glory, he would have never went through with that. So Jesus almost, it's almost as he's being led to the slaughter, We've got him. We finally have got him. We're going to kill this man who's doing wonderful things. And let's get rid of him. Satan's throwing a party, right? They're drinking beer in hell and all those things. And, and, and wait a minute. Then on the third day, probably before that, I think Satan knew as soon as that, the, 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 Jesus gave up his spirit, went down, and there's a whole different theology on that, went and preached uh, to those who need to hear the message. And he was defeated. He pulled. It's he like, he made a spectacle. Right? He, he just kind of joked around and then finally let the hammer down. I've been thinking of this analogy. I, I'm hoping, I hope it's okay to use it. It's, you know, Henry who plays drums, right? He, a few months ago, he wanted to arm wrestle me. And I said, are you sure you want to go there? Are you sure? Okay. Left, you're left-handed. I'll go left-handed. So I just made a spectacle for a little bit, right? Just a little struggle and then, okay, fine, told you. Right? But it's the same type of analogy. Now, as I'm getting older and he's getting older, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore, probably. I might lose at some point. So, but that's, that's kind of what Satan, you know, a little taunting and little, he goes and he conquers and Jesus brings back 
what was driven away. Actually, the Old Testament talks about that often, that, that God will bring back what was driven away. He will bind up the broken. He will strengthen the sick. But the fat, the proud, the arrogant, He will feed in judgment. So redemption is a wonderful thing. Jesus is going and buying back. He's rescuing, basically. He's rescuing them. They were in this, 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 the, the, the hands of Satan. They were on the broad road to destruction. Jesus regains and redeems them. So it does beg the question this morning, has he rescued you? Has he rescued you? And then one more word before we get to the last one, justification. Justification, I love this one as well. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been justified What does that mean? Just as if I've never sinned. That's an easy way to remember that. Because of Jesus, you can go and stand before a holy, righteous God someday because you've been justified. You've been made right because of what Christ did. But again, here's where many people think works can save them. Right? If, if, if I can, if, if I can do certain, certain works, no, again, half right, almost saved. You see where I'm going with this now, right? I hope. You, you, you don't want to be half right, because a lot of people are half right. They know who Jesus is. They know what he did, but, but they don't accept and embrace that, so they're half right, almost saved. Now, we get to the final word of theology in this area, is sanctification. I love this word as well, because this is where God cleans us up. Here's the big mistake in Christianity or in church today is this. We say we'll come to God when I get my life together. I hear this all the time on, on, on baptisms. You ready to get baptized? Oh, not yet. Not, what, do you, what do you mean not yet? Oh, I've got to get my, I've got to make some changes. I've got to get my life, you know, back on track and, or are you ready to come to God? Not yet. I would, and people, when we invite them to church, they say, I'm not, there's no way I'm coming to church. God will strike me dead in that place. I've got to, clean myself up first. I've got to get myself right before I go to church. Before I go to church. So sanctification, 1 Corinthians 6.11, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So I want to encourage you with this word. Be encouraged because God cleans us up through the work of His Spirit. Anybody not feeling quite clean or worthy? I mean, Lord, I could do better. I could, I could pray more. I could lead a better life. And, and that it's okay to have that desire. But sanctification is when you, when you um, submit your life to the work of the Holy Spirit. You submit your life to the work of the Holy Spirit. See, so you don't clean yourself up. You submit to the work of God cleaning you up. It's almost like I can tell my five-year-old, listen, you're coming with me, kicking or screaming, or willingly. Right? What, what are you doing? You can kick and scream, you're still coming. Or you can willingly surrender yourself and allow... How much easier is it to carry a five-year-old who wants to go in that direction? Right? Okay, you want to go... I'm going to take you here. I'm going to take you to the safe spot. I'm going to take you into the house. I'm going to take you. I'm going to watch you. I'm, I'm going to care for you. And you have versus kicking and screaming, running the other direction. And that's the difference. That's what many people think. I've got to change myself. You can't change yourself. You submit. You surrender to the work of God in your heart and allow Him to change you. 
him to grow you, him to make you holy. Now there is a, I believe, a partnership there. Uh, what's the old saying? That you, you work as if it's all up to you and you pray as if it's all up to God? You know, there, there has to be a cooperation on our part. I've never seen anybody become spiritual by doing nothing. You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.